like our owl? How many questions does it usually take to spot? I don't get it, Tyrell. How many questions? 20, 30, cross-referenced. Fiery the angels fell. Deep thunder rolled around their shores, burning with the fires of a hawk. memories are hers. Welcome to Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-host, Patrick Green. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. Dan could not be with us today. He is otherwise um, occupied. He's got a lot on his plate. He'll be back with us again on our next episode. Today, we're here to discuss a character in the framing of 2049, someone that we really haven't talked about, and we are going to talk about him more. He's going to have his own episode, and that is Gaff, played by Edward James Almos. And Patrick and I thought we would meet together for a bit of a mini episode today and discuss his role in... 2049 again we will go more into depth on this eventually because we feel like he needs he needs a good hour he needs maybe an hour and a half to really dive into who he is he's a complex character who's got some really great lines um but before we get into any of that my question to you is patrick did you expect to see gaff when he showed up in 2049 Oh, man. Are you kidding me? Of course I did not. He wasn't in the trailer. He wasn't like anywhere around it. And because by the time we see him in it, we're so well established with this new world and these new characters. And remember, we see him through the lens of K, right? Like Mm -hmm. we we were introduced to him through one of these new characters. And so I feel like uh, I was, I mean, he's, he was in the story for me, for sure. Like as I was watching it, you know that he played a pivotal role in the intervening 35 years. Like, you know that he was very much there uh, in the events, especially after the first film, because he, he basically closes the first film. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was not expecting, were you expecting him to be in the movie? I was not. Uh, although I spoiled myself a little bit because I knew that, um, no, I did know he was going to be in it because Edward James almost broke that news um, before the movie came out. And he said, they didn't tell me not to say anything. He didn't sign an NDA. So I knew it, but I didn't know where he was going to be in. And also, you don't even know, even when people say things like that, you're not for sure. So when all of a sudden they cut to Kay sitting across from Gaff, it was like seeing family again. It was a really magical yeah. moment. You worked with Officer Deckard back in the day. What can you tell me about him? He liked to work alone. So did I. So we worked together to keep it that way. I remember, yeah, I remember what you're talking about where he kind of spoiled that, but Sean Young did also. So we knew that, that both of them had been involved 
to some capacity, right? But I, I, I was still thinking maybe it was mocap or maybe it was like in some flashback. I, I would have assumed, if anything, it would have been a flashback sequence because, again, like by this point, I mean, it's maybe 25% into the movie, if I'm remembering correctly. So I feel like by that point, we're so established with this new setting that like, you know, he's the first visual indicator we have, for one thing, of how much time has passed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, a really important thing to establish because the movie was so different and because it felt so new that um, having a formal link like that to the first film visually, you know, like not only does he look older, but he's in a care facility. Like he's retired, he's out, you know? And when we see him in the first film, he's at the beginning of his career, right? Like it's implied, especially early on, that he's like pretty new and he's trying to really, you know, go by the book. He's like poking fun at Deckard for the way he's dressing and stuff. He's like, he's he's like a very much an insider to some degree in the first film within the LAPD. Although there's a lot of mystery around that, which I think we'll cover when we do our full episode on him. But in the context of 2049, uh, like he's had a whole career, you know, 35 years of doing something, you are usually retired by that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so so for me, part of why he functions really well in 2049 is just as a visual reminder of the time that passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's something about his character and the, those moments, that two-minutes scene, one-minute scene, I think it's about a two-minute scene, I can't remember exactly, but it, there's it's ephemeral, it's spiritual, it's, you're looking at, and you want it like, it's like, Gaff, we missed you. Like when I just seeing him like and then, of course, we cut away and we never see him again. So we don't know where his history goes, what his history is. I mean, there's a character right there. Like if they want to do a series, uh, a, a comic series, even on a character, fucking Gaff, man, like everybody loves Gaff. Follow him. That would be really interesting. It would take Blade Runner off into a new into a new a different direction, even though he's also a Blade Runner. Anyways, I I progress. Um, what is special about his appearance in 2049 is that everything he's saying is mystery. Nothing he's saying to Kay in those moments is on its face of what you're hearing. It's, he's talking about Decker. Decker got what he wanted. He was not made for this world. Um, he keeps saying things like that, these very strange things over and over and over. So you really have to break down what he's saying. I, mean, I don't really think Kay even knows what Gaff is really saying to him at the, in those moments. No, because because Gaff, more so than any other character in Blade Runner, embodies that ambiguity that we talk about all the time. And one of the ways he embodies ambiguity is in semantics and language and meaning, right? So in the first film, which again, we'll get more into when we revisit him, right? He Like Edward James almost is the reason city speak exists the way that it does, because he was so into linguistics. He already knew a lot of languages. He was able to play with them. So as he's throwing these city speak terms in, um, he's already kind of making it more ambigu- am- ambiguous about what the meaning of certain things that he's saying are. And then, of course, he leaves origami, right? In the first film, it's a chicken, it's a person, and it's a unicorn at the end, mm-hmm. right? So so that's like his way of, of communicating that there's more going on than what I'm saying, mm-hmm. right? And that every every audience member has some subjective view into what those mean. And then in 2049, of course, he leaves a sheep, which is in many ways, I think, in in opposition to what he's telling K at the moment, because what he's saying basically is like, oh, Deckard, you know, is gone, like, you know, like, don't, don't worry about him, like he, you know, but, but he's presenting this sheep, which is suggesting that, you know, K is following a larger pattern that he doesn't know about or something, or Mm -hmm. that K is, you know, um, 
lacking agency and that this trail that he's on will lead him to his destruction because he's just sort of a part of this machination in the world of the, you know, 2049 LAPD, et cetera. It also uh, plays so, right so, into so the title of the original, Do Androids Dream of Electric right. Sheep? You know, of the dick book. Right. Yeah. And so in that moment, not only do we get this window back in because Gaff's origami is the basis for the Decker rap argument for many people mm-hmm. like Dex origami in the first film is like this gateway into all of these extended conversations around the material that draw people back over and over again. And so seeing it again in 2049 in this new context is a gateway back to those the, those original conversations from the first film. But like you're saying, it's also a gateway back further to the novel because there are no sheeps elsewhere in Blade Runner outside of that book. And then we get this, this little symbol from this old man who was there at the beginning of the film hearkening back to what preceded him. It's, it's a very powerful symbolic moment. And I think in many ways, that's a big part of Gaff's significance is symbolism. Mm-hmm. And the sheep, origami i really i've always took as him his experience of who k was k was the sheep is a sheep k is this like he's just doing what he's supposed to do he's he's deckard before deckard met rachel in this job uh but obviously k is a replicant we know this of him gath probably knows this that k is a replicant as well and maybe he that's what he's like you're just a sheep you're just, you know, you're just one of a flock and this is who I'm talking to. But also maybe it was a visual cue for Kay, like, be more than this. This is what I'm perceiving, be more than this. It's very interesting. Isn't it interesting? And it also it's also interesting because he's not only speaking in subtext to Kay, just like he spoke in subtext to Deckard, but he's speaking in subtext to us. Like, he, he almost is an audience addressing fourth wall breaking character. And that's something that I think is, is so fascinating about Gaff. You know, like in the first film, when, uh, when he, when they're in Leon's apartment and he leaves the, the, the little guy with the erect dick, um, <laughs> it's like sort of, it's like, I, I mean, you kind of laugh when you watch it, but it's also symbolizing for people that Deckard is going to meet Rachel and that there's going to be, you know, romance ensuing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and likewise, when he leaves this, the sheep, like it's telling the audience, I mean, you can look at it many different ways. To me, what it's telling the audience is that there's more here than you're aware of and that, um, you know, what what you're perceiving might not be what's actually happening Mm -hmm. because, um, you know, we're on this wild goose chase. But um, but it's not a goose chase that Kay has any control over, and it's a goose chase that will lead him in a direction that people want him to be led into because it will be the return of the prodigal – the prodigal – replicant right so it's 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 fascinating that deckard that not deckard that gaff functions in that context almost like he's talking to us the entire time and i gotta i push back a little bit okay. on the comics idea so for for me I, I kind of like that he i know that he's appeared in other media he was in the video game the late 90s i know he was in this vr game that came out a few years ago that neither of us have played but we should but for the most part gaff is a is a essentially major character with very little screen time, right? And I think that actually is sort of key to why he's important to me, because we know so little about him, right? We know so little about what his intentions are. We know so little about what some of the iconic lines that he delivers in the first film even mean, right? Um, when he when he addresses Rachel not living, like we're not really sure what he's actually getting at, and it, we're not really sure if he's actually chasing in the first place or if he's sort of letting them go. 
Um, I, I like not knowing a lot of those things. And I think if we were to see him intervening you. years too much, to me, that, that could kind of mess up. Like, I don't want to know exactly where he came from, right? I love how his accent is very hard to place. Even his ethnicity is hard to place. He just seems kind of like he could be from literally anywhere. And, uh, and that, that to me is part of what's so mysterious about him, because if you're from anywhere, then you're kind of from everywhere, right? Like it's, it's hard to know exactly where he's from and what he's up to, you know? Mm -hmm. Anything else you can tell me? It wasn't long for this world. Also, something in his eyes. Any idea how I could contact him? But he's new Diash. Retired. You know, uh, I think you're probably right. I think we, we he is the mystery box. He's and that's what draws us to him. I, and I would agree. I think that we probably don't need. I would like to see. I think I just want to see a little more of him than we do. We don't see much of him. I mean, he's in 2019 here and there. He's and then, of course, he's in 2049 for a moment. Um, but I, he's so mysterious. I want to know more about him. Uh, I brought up the script for 2049. And I just wanted to kind of read some of his lines because they're very mysterious. They're very interesting. First line is, Deckard liked to work alone. So did I. We worked together to keep it that way. That was it. He wasn't long for this world. Something in the eyes. Kay asks, do you know how I can contact him? No, he's retired. What happened? He Gaff says, he probably got what he wanted. What's that? To be alone. Um, and he says, there's... He wasn't long for this world. Fascinating line. What? How so? Something in the eyes. What do you think that means? He's, well, that he's a replicant? It's, right. It's supposed to make us go... I mean, because again, Gaff is the whole origin of that whole conversation mm -hmm. for, for most people, right? So yeah, again, it's... it's and again, it's. I think a part of this is also Hampton Fancher and Michael Green recognizing that, mm -hmm. and Denis Villeneuve recognizing that, and wanting to continue pressing that ambivalence button a little bit for the audience in this film. But who knows? I mean, how, how do you interpret that? I interpret that as he has a uh, a, reti uh, a retiring date, um, like he has a date where his he will die um, built into him. And how do you know something in the eyes and as we know in 2049, how do you recognize a replicant? Because there's something in their eyes. I don't know if Deckard has that. He probably doesn't because that's a Wallace thing. That wasn't a Tyrell thing. But Gaff is saying, I know it's there. I know he's not. There's something in him that says he's not real. Something like that. I, that's my basic interpretation of those lines. But it could be completely something different. Um but it's also weird that De Gaff is like, he got what he wanted, but D Decker didn't get what he wanted. He wanted to be with Rachel for forever. And that didn't happen. Um, but maybe Deckard really wanted to be alone. Maybe that's really who he was. And he got it. And maybe his devastation was that he decided, okay, I don't want to be alone. I found a woman or a person that I'm deeply in love with. And I'm going to give myself to that. And then it got ripped away from him. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, again, it, it could very much mean any of those things. I do, you know, I, I pulled the script up as well, and I'm thinking, like, 
So he's so Gaff is specifically talking about Deckard as we're assuming the last time he saw him, mm-hmm. which we're assuming was not last Thursday, but it was probably decades ago, mm-hmm. right? If anything, we're I think when I see that, I'm I'm assuming that he means at the end of the first film, basically. Um, and that, you know, and then, and then, uh, Kay asks how he knew that he wasn't long for this world. And he says something in his eyes like that. That's language that very specifically is hearkening up to hearkening back to the, the Decker rap conversation. And it's, it's completely intentional from a screenwriting standpoint, because sure. it's all of this language about, you know, expiration date about he wasn't long for this world, something in his eyes. But what's so cool though, is that both of those expressions though are deliberately ambiguous because they could just be metaphor right totally just like so many things in these movies it could just be it could just be a metaphor it could just be a figure of speech the unicorn could just be saying you know that rachel was special or something or it could just be saying that maybe they're the ones who got away you know or it could be deliberately saying that you know he knows about this memory inside deckard's head and blah 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 blah. you know um i I, what i think is so fascinating about gaff is that he is like such a vehicle for this confusion in the script and in ourselves as as viewers of it. And that I, I I just love that about him so much. And I really I'm excited to do a full episode on him for the first film because I think that we'll be able to uh dive into that a lot more vis-a-vis the full series. But in 2049 though, I mean, for the the incredibly minimal amount of screen time that he has, which as we've said is is easily under two minutes, it's probably one minute the the amount that comes from that is so rewarding for future viewings of the movie right it's a linkage in many ways to the first film it's a window into what happened after the events of the first film without showing us what's through that window just giving us the opportunity to consider it and it's also like it goes back to this this feeling of humanizing or replicant humanizing deckard right because like Gaff understood him in some very deep fundamental ways, right? He speaks about Decker not as an antagonist and not as something to to you know be I mean, the first time we see them interacting with each other, you know, he makes a chicken origami to like tease Deckard about being a wimp, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, about going back to the force again. Like like they but in, in this time, like he's talking about Deckard as a, an old friend, as somebody who clearly has been on his mind, whether or not he's been visually in front of him, he's been on his mind for the intervening 35 years of his life. Mm-hmm. And that I think just says a lot about um about us as film viewers, I think. And I, and I, I do want to call attention to that, that in some ways, because Gaff is a proxy for the audience in general, like he talks to us, he symbolizes things for us. Um, and because he's a reminder of how much time has passed, he's a way for everybody who saw that first film. And th- I mean, it came out before I was born, so I, I didn't get to see it in theaters, obviously. I did, but but there I are many people. It was <laughs> <laughs> for your 50th birthday party, I think. <laughs> so for somebody like, like, like Denis Villeneuve, who saw it in theaters as a young person, like this is a, a really great way to basically directly reach out to those people who were there at the beginning and say, look at what's happened in the years since, and he has been on my mind as well, right? And that's true for all of us. You know, as we mentioned, I was introduced to it when I was 12 from this VHS copy that I got. And uh, and Deckard has been on my mind consistently through my life from that moment. He's lived in there, right? I haven't seen him again. I've seen Harrison Ford in a million things, but it's never felt like Deckard. It's felt like Deckard, for me, lived in that memory and in, in that experience. And for Gaff as well, Deckard was in his mind that entire time. Mm-hmm. And it feels almost like, you know, because we haven't seen Deckard by that point. We're, we're hoping to. Um we know Harrison Ford's on the poster, so we're kind of assuming it's going to happen. But 
the movie, a pretty sig- significant chunk of the movie has gone by by that point, and we haven't seen him yet. We haven't seen any indication of when we're going to. And, uh, and it's a, a way to keep him very much in our minds and in our hearts. And as like I was saying, as a way to kind of reach out to the audience directly and say, like, I have shared this experience with you for these intervening decades. Mm-hmm. Deckard has been there with me as well. Mm-hmm. And he's almost protecting him, too. I almost feel like he knows where Deckard is. He knows. He knows where Deckard I do. I feel like he knows where Deckard is, but he's not telling anyone and stop trying. And K picks right up on that, like. He is Nuntiash, whatever the word is that he says. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. uh, retired, um, which is an, also another strange word they use because for replicants, retirement means death. But he's using the term retired. He's, re- of course, we would think retired from the force. He was sort of retired from the force when we met him in the original film. So is he dead? Is he dead? Almost, I feel like that's what he's telling Kay. He's dead. He's retired. It's over. Stop looking. Um, but I also think Kay knows that's not the truth. It's fascinating. And uh, another... It is fascinating. The term long for this world, I've never heard that before. And I'm sure it's a, a colloquial thing. Like, long for this world, does that mean like... He was not long for this world. What does that mean? Does that mean like that's a, that's an expression and 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 it's kind of an old expression, but that's that's something that pops up in literature quite a bit, and usually it's in the context of sensing that somebody's death right is nearby. Like, Interesting, you know, if somebody's very sick and and they're terminal, you know, you say like they're not long for this world because they don't have much time left. Right? I see, I see. Um, and uh, but that's also but that's also not <laughs> what's interesting though is that's actually not what Gap is saying, right? I mean, like it, it, it is what he's it's what he's saying, but he doesn't mean that. Like he's not saying that Deckard is dying. I don't think, right? Mm-hmm. Because Deckard's not dead, and it's been thirty five years. So that's also like, what is he? What is he? Get, what is he getting at? Is he just trying to throw? Maybe he's just trying to throw Kay off the trail. Maybe something happened in those intervening years between Gaff and Deckard, right? Where they had an understanding, right? Maybe this was, maybe for example, Gaff was on Deckard's trail for a long time. And he caught him, and the baby wasn't there. Rachel wasn't there. Deckard was in hiding. And they had a conversation, and Gaff decided to move away and to, and to, and to just back off. Mm-hmm. And so now, like, maybe the understanding is he just tells people Deckard died, mm-hmm. right? He says, last time I saw him, I could tell, you know, he wasn't going to be here for much longer. Uh, to me, that feels like it could have easily happened that they could have had some very meaningful interaction. I mean, Gaff is a great detective, right? He was on the trail the whole time in the first movie. Mm -hmm. He probably caught Deckard, right? But with this respect that he had for him, uh, maybe more happened than we're aware of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that would make sense. And the term long for this world also makes me feel like he's saying he wasn't meant for this world too. Uh, uh, almost like he he wasn't meant this was not a life meant for him um he's gone now this was not anything you know um but yeah i think what you're saying though patrick like maybe they had an interaction and he met him post rachel obviously post birth not just post rachel post death of rachel and so he'd be like well we're not really who we really want which was probably rachel is gone, so I'm going to pretend like I haven't see, seen you, and I'm going to let you live. I'm going to 
tell people that you have retired. You have been retired. Your 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 part in this story is over. Um, and I mean, I think it was just blind luck that Kay found him with because of that that the horse. You know, that's how Kay found Deckard. And without that horse, Kay would have never found Deckard. Deckard would have been dead. So essentially, it's funny because Deckard kind of goes through two deaths where he was essentially dead in the beginning of the film. We don't know where he is. Obviously, we know he's in the movie. Um, and then when he drowns in the, in or when the, the ship or the spinner goes down in the water and then they come back and they go to Stellanes and he's like, you died out there. Like that's, that's now you have K repeating a gaff line saying, no, you died out there. It's over. You can go meet her. Now people think you're dead. It's done. Um, very, very interesting. There's so much. It's just interesting how we continue to peel back these layers, even in a small moment, like gaff's appearance in 2049. And it's, dense it's so dense nothing is what it seems nothing is what it appears to even sound like yeah it is you know i I pulled up the full script actually from this scene and i'm realizing that there are some changes also that i'm curious about so i'm going to read a couple little excerpts from this just quickly to uh get at this so first off during the you know we're the setting the scene they say interior home for the elderly day room day he says, Case sits at a table in front of a man, Gaff, mid-70s. An old woman is seated beside them in a wheelchair. Gaff is wearing kind of a hospital whites with an official ID tag that says staff. Interesting. He was an orderly. He folds, yeah. he folds something in his hand. So I didn't pick up on that. Honestly, I've, I've assumed he was a patient there. I didn't know that he was an employee of it. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but uh, someone brought up probably a year ago saying... I think Gaff was an orderly. Look what, what he was wearing, because if you look at him, it's all white. Right. It's got a bow tie, which is his classic thing. Um, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, and I was like, oh, he works there. He's not, he continued working. And that makes sense for the character that he would need to work, not just sit there and die, you know? Right, right. But again, we see him as an older man and we kind of assumed this yeah. situation. But yeah, but now that I look back on it, yeah, obviously he was an orderly. Like he's wearing a uniform. Mm-hmm. Like why, if he was a patient, why would he be wearing a uniform, right? Um, so Things then the aren't always as they appear. That's sort of another, exactly. you know. Even in this one little tiny snapshot. So then the dialogue is pretty much unaltered. There's a couple of important things though. One, which is, so Gaff says he wasn't long for this world. Kay says, how so? Gaff looks Kay in the eye and says something in the eyes. And that's that's like specifically called out as a stage direction mm-hmm. there to look to look him in the eyes, which I think is also telling. Um, so he says, uh, do you know how I can contact him? No, he's retired. Again, there's no nuktiesh. There's none of this sort of city speak stuff that we know of Gaff, right? Um, th- again, this is Edward James almost, I'm assuming, coming in and, and adding that. Um, he probably got what he wanted. What's that? And then it says, Gaff folds a delicate flower that he offers to the old lady. And Gaff says to be alone. Hmm. So again, the journey from script to screen, it's its fascinating no matter what we look at. But especially, I mean, we've talked about the script a little bit. And at some point, we should probably do a full 2049 script analysis. But, you know, if you remember when we talked about Wallace vis-a-vis the script, there were huge swaths of dialogue that were different. There were lots of things that were changed. 
this is what happens when you have a director who's humble and interested in getting the best product, not just his personal product, right? I guarantee that that this this was a script that was presented to almost and everybody else. And then on set, Villeneuve was receptive to almost having different ideas and inputs. I'm, I 100% would mm-hmm. assume that's the mm-hmm. case. And almost knowing Gaff really well, probably decided that the flower didn't make sense. So what's interesting, though, again, is that imagine it had been the flower, right? This delicate flower that's in the script. We would have also had a conversation about that being kind of ambiguous, right? Because we would have said the, the timing, right? He got what he wanted. What's that? Hands a flower. That could have been saying he got happiness, right? He got freedom. He got to grow, or it could have just been a gesture toward this woman that he's working, you know, to support saying, you know, here's a pretty little piece of paper. Or it could be a gesture to Kay saying, you know, like, here's, this is peace. I'm this is a peace offering to you to not go down this trail because it will end with your death. Here's a flower. I'm telling, what I'm telling you is what you should be listening to, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that it changes to a sheep in the final version of the film is also so ambivalent and so significant. And the, I think what's even more significant than that is the fact that Edward James Olmos or Dennis Gassner or one of the production people decided to make this change while they were shooting. And there's a reason they made that because it is a huge shift in terms of meaning. Yes. And if we pick up on what Gaff was doing with origami in the original, everything he was folding and presenting had to do with Deckard. So it would make sense that whoever he's talking to his attention's going to be there. That's what his origami is going to, which is a form of art. That's what his art is going to interpret, that conversation, whatever's going on subliminally, whatever's going on psychologically with Gaff and his reading of the subject in front of him. So for him to fold a flower and give it to another person would tell me that he's not really paying that much of attention to, to Kay, you know? I like that they changed that. It 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 seems like Gaff, whereas Gaff folding a, this kind of decorative flower for an older patient, it doesn't seem like Gaff to me. So I think they made the right. I know they made the right choice. I agree. I think it's much more powerful, you know. Um, and it would have also had it been just a gesture of like cheering up somebody's day, that would have told us a lot of different things about Gaff too, because it would have said. That, for one thing, he's being more explicit with his origami now, meaning, like, what he's folding is much more literal, right? But, it all, like, it's just utilitarian. It's arts and crafts, basically, instead of this sort of symbolism, right? Um, and it also would have been saying, like, his life is this retirement facility that he works in now. Like, that's that's all that he is. He is one thing now, which is this man working in this home with other older people, right? As opposed to this mysterious symbol that will lead... K down a rabbit hole, you know, emotionally, potentially, and us as an audience. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at the script again, and I'm looking at how much of the script actually is occupied with gaff. And it really, it's, it's split between two pages, but basically, the it's about it's about four fifths of the way down one page. And then it ends about halfway down the next page. And of course, in screenplays, typically a, a page is a minute. Um, and so in this, so you can see like the, the amount of, of real estate here, this script is, let's see, you're right about nine pages long. Yeah. Right. And he gets basically a little over half of one of those pages mm-hmm. to himself. And in that little over half of one page, there's an enormous amount to unpack. Mm-hmm. I can't wait till we have our full 
gaff episode, there's a recent article with Edward James Almost. Well, it's more of an interview, and they talk about twenty. They talk about Blade Runner and briefly twenty forty nine, and almost goes into that process. And I don't want to spoil it here because it's really fodder for a longer episode. It's profound. Uh, he did. He pulled a, a Rudger Howard. Some of the lines that he wrote were in the moment and it wasn't in the script and it's it's contributed to the legendary status of the original Blade Runner it really made Blade Runner um, and it's a very powerful you know almost everything Gaff says is fairly powerful um, but of course the last line in the film is his um, which is funny because which also reminds me of the best memories are hers um, yeah, I, I can't wait to really dive in and investigate. And and in this article, almost goes into what he believed was Gaff's backstory, who his parents are, where they're from, mm. um, ethnicities. Very, very interesting. I, I would love to talk about it now, but I won't. Um, we're probably going to wrap this soon. It's been about 30 minutes. Wanted to keep this episode brief, just to kind of tease you guys for a longer episode. Um, but I, I, there's so much there still. Oh, yeah. And, and and like Jamie said, we'll be back with a longer one. Part of the, the reason why we're doing a mini-sode today is because we're preparing a bunch of Alien Day content for Perfect Organism. So the amount of editing going on is quite a bit, too. If you are an Alien fan, though, and you're listening to this, make sure you follow our other show as well, because there's a lot going on there in the lead-up to Alien Day a little bit later in April. Um, but uh, in terms of Blade Runner, though, there is a ton going on to talk about. We have an upcoming interview with David Leach that we'll be um, releasing shortly, uh, and we have continuations of our 2049 series so there's a lot going on but we're being a little bit gentle on ourselves and doing a mini so today <laughs> yes but uh i have to say i'm glad we did because th- his appearance in 2049 alone is worth easily a half hour of content if not more so hopefully this was thought-provoking for some people and yes. brought you back a little bit to what's powerful about that um in 2049 and yeah we'll be back with a full episode on him shortly uh, and i can't wait for that me too uh for those of you listening, if you'd like to support us, go to bladerunnerpodcast.com forward slash support. Sign up for $4 a month. We have a great show called Framerate, which is a movie review show. You can check that out. We have another show called Shit Show, which we do every so often. We're coming up with another episode of Shit Show, which we're recording this coming week for Alien Day. But the only people who can listen to that are people who are signed up to our Patreon. Um, so that's a and lot. It's going to be extra shitty. It is. Oh, it's going to be show. Delicious. It's going to be extra shitty. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, also, if you are listening on Spotify or Apple iTunes, please write us a review and post it. The more reviews, hopefully the more positive reviews, five star reviews, the bigger our listenership will be. The more that we can do, the more that we can do in the future. So thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you again soon. If you would like to find out more about Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast, please go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com. If you would like to support the show via Patreon, please go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com forward slash support. Thank you.